Hello, I'm Ed James and welcome to another one of our special heritage podcasts from Birmingham Hippodrome. The theatre currently has a team of archivists looking through thousands of theatre memorabilia so we can capture memories and preserve them for generations to come. One of the volunteers on the project is Ivan Hurd, who has become a bit of an encyclopaedia for Hippodrome history. I've been to catch up with him to find out some more. Hey, Ivan, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, Ed? Very good, thank you. So, as an archivist, just talk us through the process you've gone through and how you found it. I started in the Library of Birmingham because I knew from previous knowledge they've got a full set of Hippodrome programmes, bar one or two, from 1900 to 1914. So I ploughed through all of those programmes, scribbling away (laughs) and making a note of all the acts, basically. Now, when you think it was a change of show every week, 52 weeks a year about 11 or 12 acts on each bill, you can do the maths. God, there's loads of loads artists. Loads of artists. Yeah, loads of acts. But there are tremendous gaps. So I then went back to the microfiche in the local studies on the fourth floor and looked out. I found the old evening dispatch easier to read than the mail and looked up the adverts week by week as to which shows were on at the Hippodrome. That gave me the main artists. It's a big job, though, that, isn't it? Tremendous, tremendous. And I put hours and hours and hours into it, but I've loved doing it. So now I'm at the point where I'm now back in the Hippodrome's archives, going through their programmes of the 60s, 70s and so on, and then where's the gaps again? Back to the library to fill in the gaps. And as you've been having a look back through all the archives, I mean, have you been amazed because there's been some massive stars here over the years? Massive stars. Uh, Equally, people who started way down the bill and then became massive stars. Like who? Morecambe and Wise. Okay. They first appeared here about 1952, 53, in what you would sort of innocently call these days a bit of a girly show. Anyway, they were way down the bill, um, and they were they were billed as fools rush in. Wow, I didn't realise that. And then uh, you can gradually then over the years see them creeping up the bill yeah. until, of course, they become top of the bill. Now, uh, Bruce Forsyth first appeared here about 1957, way down the bill. Then he went on as compare of Sunday nights at the London Palladium, yeah. and within a year or two, he was top of the bill in a show called I'm in Charge. Uh, Des O'Connor, the same. Now, he made his name when variety was changing to take account of rock and roll. And you'd have a pop idol like Tommy Steele or Cliff Richard or Marty Watt, somebody like that, would be top of the bill, still supported by the dog acts and the acrobats and the jugglers and the singers and the comedians one of whom was Des O'Connor, and he made his name by supporting pop acts in variety bills in the late 50s. What's been your favourite show to see here? Difficult to say. Several. My all-time favourite musical has got to be Les Miserables, because I cry every time. Do you? Oh, Ivan. I do. (laughs) I'm an old soft. That's nice, though. A personal emotional highlight was a lesser-known show in the mid-60s, The Red Army. 
Okay. Singers, dancers that? and musicians, they came from the old Soviet Russia, the Red Army. At the height of the Cold War, when really Soviet Russia was our enemy, and you know, you got threats of nuclear bombs and so on. And as a cultural exchange, they sent over the Red Army. I don't know what we sent, probably Des O'Connell. <laughs> probably. And, <laughs> or Bruce. Or Bruce. And um, it was a really emotional evening because the orchestra was terrific. The Cossack dancers were out of this world. The musicians were terrific. And there was so much goodwill flowing backwards and forwards across the floodlights. Mm. It was amazing. That was quite an emotional show, but not many people would remember that, I expect. So I imagine you found out some weird and wonderful things as, as you've delved into the archives. I certainly have it. <laughs> Very weird and wonderful. One of which was in May 1904, when, of course, it was operating as a musical. And on the, on the bill was a five-and-a-half-year-old boy billed as the fat boy of Peckham. He was then weighing over 11 and a half stones, gaining a pound and a half per week in weight. We haven't discovered what he did. Presumably he did a bit of a song or a dance or something. That's got to be one of the weirdest things. <laughs> but also, they were very fond at that period of having wrestlers and boxers as part of the bill. And the wrestlers would challenge any gentleman in the audience to go say, five or ten minutes round with them on the stage, and if they did, they'd give them a fiver or a tenner, which, wow, okay. which was a lot <laughs> was a of lot money. a lot in those days, yeah. But there was another famous case in that pre-First World War period where they, a strongman came. That was another popular act, the strongman. And they challenged anybody who could lift a 250-pound bag of flour. If they could... And they were the only one to do it. By the end of the week, they had the bag of flour. <laughs> That's a great prize. <laughs> great prize. But, you know, people were poor then. This was a yeah. working-class area that the theatre was situated. There was a hell of a lot of loaves and cakes they could mm. make out of that. But so it really was all sorts in the, in the early days. Absolutely then. all sorts. Every animal imaginable <laughs> has appeared on this stage. <laughs> Fighting crocodiles. Really? Yes. And then... From the 20s onwards, right up really until the 60s, every so often a full-scale circus would come to town, to the Hippodrome, with everything, lions, tigers, elephants, polar bears, monkeys, everything. So whoever of your listeners is listening to that, if anybody knows where these animals were stable, yeah, were kept. where were they kept? It some people think it might have been in the stables at Digbeth Police Station, which isn't too far away. In the 50s, when Roy Rogers and his wife Dale Evans came with his wonder horse Trigger, completely sold out, it was either stabled at Digbeth Police Station or in the council stables in Sheepcoat Street, which is at the back of Broad Street. But if anybody knows for sure, we'd be, like, we'd be pleased to hear Brilliant. Well, look, congratulations on all the work you've done so far and all the best with the, with the archiving you've still to do. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ed. 
Thanks to Ivan and the team, the aim is to have a brand new digital archive website and touch table installed very soon, enabling young people and theatre-goers of all ages to engage with our theatre story. On the next podcast, we'll speak to Rachel Griffin, the development manager for the Hippodrome, and patrons Gillian and Sheila to find out their fondest memories of the theatre. It's fair to say these lovely ladies love a good get-together and have some brilliant stories. Dirty dancing. That was fantastic, wasn't it? What happened there? Come on. Oh. I sense there's a story here. Well, we had a lovely lunch. <laughs> lunch is, is a big part of this, I'm sensing, isn't yes. it? That's all from me. And don't forget, if you want to get involved and donate to the project, then email archive at birminghamhippodrome.com. <laughs>